Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. And fortunately, we are not alone. There are uh, awesome other communities out there telling these stories. Uh, and I've got the uh, the mastermind behind the faces of diabetes here with me today, Mr. Edward Feeder. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it, great to have you on. You and I have been chatting really since the summer, um, trying to get a time. And uh, it seems like you and I are both going a million miles an hour in four or five different directions. So I'm uh, glad we were able to find the time. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. I, I could not believe that it's, it's been since summer. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I went back. I was like, man, Ed and I have been uh, chatting back and forth for a while. So I looked back. Our first email was like July 11th. So wow. uh, yeah, a couple things have happened since then. So uh, yeah, just, just a few. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I, I, I love what you do. I love Faces of Diabetes. I know that, uh, you know, you put out a lot of contact, make a lot of, uh, you know, telling a lot of different stories. And I think you and I both hear a lot of positive and then, you know, just tales of overcoming and just like get to make heroes out of everyday people and peers and make and turn those people into friends. Um, I'm really dying to know uh, the story of the Faces of Diabetes, but also uh, of your personal, uh, you know, type one diagnosis story. How did this, uh, how did this all come to be? Um, so, so the faces of diabetes came to be, uh, I guess this is going to be a long spiel. So, so when I was first diagnosed, I freaked out. Uh, I was 11 years old, uh, just really, really an emotional, uh, adventure for me when I was first uh, diagnosed. Uh, I knew what it was. My mom was a nurse and I mean, I just, I just lost it. So it was never, it wasn't one of those things where I didn't understand what it was. My 11 year old brain knew exactly what it was and I freaked out about it. So growing up, I, I didn't really have that many type one diabetic friends. Um, so I, it, it always felt kind of alone until I went to summer camp and uh, summer camp was always the place where, you know, you were, you were the normal person cause everybody had to deal with the same crap you had to deal with. You know, everybody was diabetic. So, you know, you, you felt, you felt at peace. You know, I love being around people who are also diabetic. It's just, you know, they understand, they get you. Um, so fast forwarding, you know, I, I went to, to school for photography and graphic design and, and I was a garbage graphic designer, but I was pretty good at photography and it was my passion and that's what I focused on. So in order for me to graduate, I had to make something called a senior thesis where I showcased some work and the viewer had to leave learning something. So uh, a bunch, I didn't want to do diabetes because I had been so involved with camp and done the counselor thing. And I want to show the world there's more, there's more to me in, in my photography than diabetes. And, and I had a bunch of rejected ideas. <laughs> it was coming down to crunch time. And I was like, you know what, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll do the living with diabetes thing. And um, that's what I did. I did, uh, I, I believe it was seven images and, and a video depicting what my life ha had been like living with diabetes. 
And um, it was a big hit, and, and people enjoyed it, and, and uh, I got an A, and I graduated, and, and I'm just super successful from that. But uh, no, I, I moved out to Colorado afterwards because I had no idea as a recent college grad what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I just I moved out to Colorado just to just see what was out there, and and kind of kind of see what I could find. Um, and while I was out there, I was I was talking to my dad about how much fun I had doing the senior thesis and, and how I wish I could keep the project going. But the, you know, my my ideas for what I wanted to do were were running thin. I didn't I didn't know what else I could do, as far as uh, uh photographing my experiences with diabetes. And my dad actually came up with the idea. He was like, you know, you should probably take pictures of other people living with diabetes and tell their story and and compile it into a book and you know and call it the faces of diabetes and show these other people who are who are fighters and and you know doing what they do with their lives. And I was like, holy crap, that's a really good idea. Um, so having you know grown up with the camp, I immediately made a Facebook page. And I started adding everybody that I I knew, whether it be you know people that were were in you know kids from my cabin, parents, uh, people I grew up with, whoever you know had diabetes, I wanted you know in this group. And I told them the idea, and everybody was really on board with it. Everybody was really supportive, and um, I immediately sat on the idea for about six months. <laughs> just, I didn't pull the trigger. I was just, I just was full, so full of self doubt. Self doubt, you know. I was just like man, you know, a lot of people are into this. What if, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if this thing just turns into garbage? What if I get bored of it? What if, you know, just a lot of self-doubt, you know, was in my mind. So I, I finally just knuckled down and I started and um, started to kick, started to help raise funds so I could travel. And then, you know, one thing led to another and parents were asking if we were a nonprofit and we turned it into a nonprofit. And just from there, it just kind of went loose. And uh, for two years, every weekend, I traveled to a new area of either Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi and Florida. Those were the, the main places I hit and would schedule anywhere from three to, to seven shoots in a weekend. And wow. I just started taking one after the other. And uh, sure enough, I, I got to the point where I, I think I, I first wanted like 150 photos. And um, we made a comp uh, book, like a, a, just, to, just to see what a, a book with 150 you know photos would look like. And uh, it was way too thin. I did not want a very thin, you know, coffee table book i wanted something thick that had some weight to it that looked super professional and clean um I, I was very i was very determined to make sure that this looked you know not like something somebody just threw together you know I was, right. it was something i was gonna take the time to do so uh two years of traveling and, and putting it together and then another like year and a half of just obstacles and that was probably the most discouraging thing was was not just going out and taking the photos but like and like losing like all this time, like I, I didn't lose time, I guess would be a, an appropriate thing to say. I guess the amount of time it took to do the photos, I thought the designing of it would be the easiest part. And that's actually where we faced the most hurdles with, um, you know, some photos that had, you know, um, um, like, like copyright stuff in it that we couldn't show and mm. I had to go through the, I had to go through the book and Photoshop a bunch of stuff out. And then some of them weren't, um, the resolution that they needed to print. I mean, it was, I mean, if it, if it could go wrong, by God, it did go wrong. <laughs> and so it took us like another year and a half to finally get everything ready, but you know, we got it done. And, and that's the, been the whole point of this project was to, to make this book to show, you know, newly diagnosed diabetics and, and, you know, the parents of, of newly diagnosed kids that, you know, that the diabetes is not a death sentence and that they shouldn't freak out like I did when I was 11, uh, that everything will be okay. And they can still do whatever it is they want to do in life. Um, you know, they just might have to prick themselves, you know, here and there and take some shots and insulin and watch the sugars. Um, but the, you know, the main thing I wanted to, to, to put out there is that, is that you're not alone. 
Um, you should never feel alone and, and, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, I, I think that's very important, especially for kids and their parent to understand that, um, diabetes is not a death sentence. And so we're, we're all about just making sure that people feel better and then they get the connected, you know, with others that they, that they can. And, uh, actually this year we're going to see if we can't sponsor a kid to go to camp. So, you know, we really, we really just want to deal with the psychological aspects of, of what it's like to be diagnosed with diabetes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> and and that's so important. I, I've talked a lot about on this podcast um, with different people talking about the rhetoric and the importance of rhetoric at diagnosis. But you you actually just um, reinforced something for me. It's not just the the rhetoric with the patient or with the child, but also uh, the family, uh, because I think a lot of times education i think uh, most most of us would agree is the most important thing whether that's education mm-hmm. about what to do and how to treat from a clinical perspective uh you know dietary and nutrition and physical exercise are also important but also just like from an outlook perspective what is true like that you can do anything that you as long as you take care of yourself and that you know it's it's just all on the table for you and if you set yourself up with that mindset i think you you know have a much higher percentage rate of success, uh, success being a happy life with, with type one. If you don't, if there's some sort of mi- missing piece there, uh, either on the patient side or on the parent side or on just the education side about the, you know, nutrition or treatment or diabetes, it, you can, I mean, you run into bumps in the road and oftentimes it takes years sometimes to, you know, to come around to a place where you're at least comfortable with the disease. Absolutely. Yeah. Diabetes burnout is a real thing, you know, and, and, um, from, from my experience having, you know, grown up at the camp, it, it tends to hit, you know, teenagers more than, than, uh, uh, older adults. Uh, it's like they've, they've kind of powered through it. And so, you know, especially for kids, you know, it really, it really bothers me that any kid would have to deal with this, this, this garbage that we have to deal with. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be an adult where you have the responsibility and you know how to keep up with things. Um, and you can make a conscious choice, but like, you know, a kid like that, that just genuinely bothers me that, that any kid has to deal with the the stuff that we deal with day to day. So, uh, hopefully someday they have a way to either reverse it or, or just straight up cure it or something. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty big on anybody, you know, younger to dealing with this. You know, I have a lot of, um, I got a lot of hope for them. And I think that, you know, hope is a big part of, you know, what I encounter and what I try to ask on this podcast because that's ultimately all we have going forward, right? I think we all ultimately, if we're being honest, want a cure. Um, I think, you know, and I've said before, there's nothing I'd rather, um, you know, no, no feeling I'd rather have than to know a bunch of people who used to have diabetes. Um, that would be a great treat. But I think, you know, to get us through the day to day, you know, what are those things besides, you know, what you mentioned about, you know, giving kids uh, the, the right messaging and giving them inspirational, um, stories to latch on to. What else are you hopeful for from a diabetes perspective or, you know, in the community? Um, the community is doing pretty good on education. Uh, you know, one thing I always wanted to preach to people when we started this was that I'm not an educator. I'm, there are so much better teachers who know way more than I do. Um, but I, I am hopeful that the, the medicine gets cheaper. Um, that's one thing I'm really, uh, banking on, because uh, insulin, you know, three to three to five hundred dollars a vial is, is absolutely criminal, um, and, and it just enrages me to think that 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 uh, something that keeps you know uh, a life of two weeks in some people's houses, depending on your carb ratio, is cost is, is costing somebody their their 
a better life because of, of how expensive it is. Um, so I'm hopeful that we you know we get better treatment options out there, uh, different medicines. I know, I mean, when I was a kid, it took us, you know, an entire, like, gosh, it was like a giant blob of blood and it had to hit the meter perfectly, which was the size of a brick. And it took five minutes to read. And now we're, we're, you know, almost 20 years later, we have a machine that checks your blood sugar for you every five minutes that you wear in your arm. I mean, that's incredible. Right. And I mean, I think like technology for me, you know, until I, until I was, until I got on CGM, uh, technology hadn't improved as drastically personally for me since I was diagnosed, which was only 13 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, but it's always so cool to me to, to talk to people who've had it for longer than 20 years, or in some cases, even like I had a guy on, um, who had been diagnosed 57 years ago and, you know, to see him and first of all, to see him and know that he was okay and like living a, doing exactly what he wanted to do. And his life was great, uh, was super encouraging because, you know, he didn't have all the resources that I have today back then. And then he's still doing fine. So I was really encouraged by that, but also just to understand like how far we've come in a very short amount of time relative to humanity, right? A hundred years ago, we barely had insulin. Um, yeah. You know, so yes. <laughs> that's which, the thing it is. And, and, you know, while, while I do agree with you that, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now, um, in the healthcare space that are affecting the cost of insulin and it is criminal and it is, uh, you know, especially the way the insurance companies treat it. Uh, it really hurts people. There are a lot of people out there hurting. I'm actually doing right now, I'm going 30 days off of uh, prescription insulin and my pump, and I'm, I'm doing all over-the-counter insulin, so back on NPH and R, which I actually never took. So for the first time for me on NPH and R that you get over-the-counter at Walmart. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, every, a lot of people do remember those days, uh, but I also think there's a lot of people that don't even know that they have another option. Um, and very, very true. Very true. And, you know, so there's so many layers to the educational piece. Um, and I I like what you said, you know, like that there, there are better people out there to be educators. Yeah. I'm a storyteller. I, I, if I talk less on the podcast, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) The way I see it, I want people, I want other people to, to share their experience, to be, you know, that's the, that's the part that people want to hear. Um, I want the kid who just got diagnosed and finds, you know, somebody like you, a photographer, graphic designer, he's like, oh, I could do that. That's what, or that's what I want to do. I'm interested in. And there's somebody out there like me who's doing it. Um, you know, those are the, those are the stories that I want to hear. You know, I want, I want people to, you know, be there, be their best advocate for themselves, uh, in spite of all the things that they deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Um, so for you, I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, though that two years on the road, um, oh, man, <laughs> well, because it sounds like it was, I mean, you know, three, three to seven shoots a day, uh, you know, on the weekends you were saying that is, I mean, for those of you guys out there who are not photographers, that is a staggering amount of shoots. That's so many. Um, it was insane. <laughs> and, uh, insane. yeah. And not even including like the editing time after that. So, uh, what give me like your your best story from the road in terms of like uh, obstacles that you overcame and then maybe your favorite story um, favorite you know shared story from faces of diabetes from that time 
Oh man. Okay. So, so the way I went about doing the shoots was after I, I added all these people to, to, to Facebook, it was funny. Cause to me, I was like, you know what? I'll get this done in nine months. It's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> nine months. I'll be completely finished with this whole thing and people will hopefully like it. Uh, no, that's not the case. When I first started, I was so confident that people would want to be a part of this that I thought, I thought people would be fighting over time slots. You know what I mean? Like people would just be coming out of the woodwork to be like, oh, Edward, you know, come over here, you know, come to wherever. And I was I was living in Alabama at the time. And that's where a majority of the, of the people that I knew were from. And man, that is not what happened at all. Um, the first two shoots I did, actually, I had scheduled three on a weekend and uh, one was in Birmingham. And then the other one was in Troy, which is roughly about two hours, a little over two hours away from each other. And um the the time I was in Birmingham, I had one for the afternoon and then one at night, and uh, the one in the afternoon went fine, uh, and then the one at night canceled on me, and then the next day I traveled all the way to Troy to get her photo, and that and that uh, after just that first weekend I was exhausted, and I sat on the idea for another three months before I finally like went in overdrive, and I think it was like I even get the years mixed up now because it, it took so long. I think it was twenty. 2014 is really where I just went nuts and I just started going out every weekend and in the Facebook group I would, just, I would just be like hey who's free this weekend and whoever like chimed in first was like oh I'm free and over here in you know uh, Mississippi uh, I'd be like okay who else can we get in Mississippi and they would go talk to their friends and we would go over there and honestly like uh, the things I learned uh, about being in a car for that amount of time um it's just ridiculous. One Spotify is pretty much my best friend. Um, I've had a Spotify account for, for, I don't even know how long because I would always try to find something new to listen to while I was going. And, um, I, I wish I had a, a bigger budget back then so I could sleep, uh, in hotels, but I would, I would really just sleep anywhere. I remember friends would let me sleep on their couch. I slept on the floor at some places. I would have strangers, you know, uh, tell me that I could sleep in, you know, whatever room they had, you know, it was, it was really cool to see people like open up the doors and stuff and kind of just like offer their hand in friendship. And it was, you know, really nice. You know, I think another thing I would have liked to invest in was a, uh, a, uh, travel partner slash, um, assistant because carrying light stands and, and camera bags and making sure things were charged and, and all that was another, another big hassle I had to face not having, you know, a, a portable charger, uh, in my car. Um, but yeah, I think some of the biggest issues I faced uh, was repetitiveness in the book. So one thing I wanted to do when I was making the book is I wanted to make each uh, photo unique. And so I was I would always ask the people, I was like, what's what's some like a sport you're into? What do you what do you like to do? What are your, some of your hobbies? And um, it, it got to the point where I, like like people would say soccer. It's like, okay, well, I've got, you know, two soccer players in here already. Like how many more could I add before the book got repetitive? And so right. I, I would constantly have to think of new ideas, new things to change. I would go on Flickr and, and 500px websites and, and look at other photographers' work just to try to get motivation to find a new angle or new creative direction to take, you know, a certain photo. Like if somebody uh, – I remember it got to the point where people would give me like five different ideas for things they could do for their shoot. And I've, I've literally done all five of those ideas. It's like, you know, what can we do? Is there a park, you know, and in, in, um, in the book sometimes, you know, some of the books, like I wouldn't even call portraits, uh, so much as they're just like special effect photos, you know what I mean? Um, but I think, I think breaking up that, that, uh, I don't really monotony, but breaking it up to, to show that there's such a wide variety of, of, I guess, portraits kind of keeps the viewer more interested in the book and what it has to show and the message behind it. 
Um, but that was definitely a huge hurdle that I had to overcome. Another another big one, and this is something I'm I'm I've, I'm pretty confident in dealing with now is, um, how to get somebody that's uncomfortable in front of the camera to loosen up. And that was a big one too, because there would be times where you know the the person was just stiff and they they didn't they didn't know how to act in front of a camera. And I totally get it. I completely understand when when somebody tries to take my photo, my my go to is just smile and try to look happy. <laughs> you know, like that's that's what I do. You know, that school pic the school picture photos. You know, <laughs> um, and so it, it really got to the point where I I would notice that I would just start talking to them. And it's like immediately they would just like relax and they would get into a position that made them comfortable at wherever we were at, you know, and I would, I would immediately just snap and be like, okay, stop right there, freeze. And they would just kind of look at me and like, that looks natural. We're, we're going to go with this for a little bit, you know, and then I would tweak them a little bit from there. So, so that's kind of like my big, my big trick now is, is just to, just to talk to people, you know, don't, you know, put the camera down, you know, listen, kind of what you you were saying earlier, you know, let's, let's hear your story. You know, what, what is it, you know, about you that makes you tick? You know, what are you into? You know, what, what's your diabetes story been like, you know? And, and I think that, uh, that was kind of a fun experience for me. Cause I could, I could, I had, you know, an ulterior motive of course, but I still got to hear and learn about the people that I was photographing. Um, so those were the, those were probably the, the biggest takeaways, you know, um, in dealing with this. And of course, you know, once it was done, it, it's t even to this day, it's been, two years since I've really, well, almost two years since I've, I've gone out and done shoots for the book. Um, and when I have a weekend of just, you know, free time, I'm like, what, what do people do? You know, like <laughs> I was always, I was always traveling. I was, you know, I would drive anywhere from, from, you know, 45 minutes to, you know, four hours out of my way every weekend, you know, like what, what do people do when they don't have anything to do? You know, there's nothing to, you know, nothing to plan for, nothing to, to shoot. Like, and especially with this cold weather, I'm just like, man, what's, I guess I'll clean my room or play video games or something yeah. that's not productive. You know, it's just, it's nuts. I, I That's such a, a challenge that's like, especially for ambitious creatives, I'm going to lump you in that category just from the first 30 minutes of our conversation. I can just tell that's the type of person you are, which I love because I'm the same way. <laughs> so, you know, anytime like with your, we have downtime on your hands and there's nothing on the calendar like you, I immediately try to fill it with something like, so, like, Oh, I want to go, let's go see a movie right now. Or let's go do this and this and this, or, Ooh, I have a day off. Let me buy a book and read it and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then by the end of the, the of time, I like, you know, nothing got done because I was trying to do too many things at once. And I think it's just tough when you, when you're wired that way um, and you get used to that type of energy output and rhythm um, for me, like, you know, some of the, some of the trips I guess I've taken or like some of the, uh, some of the, ah, I'm trying to figure out the right way to explain this, but like I, for a while I didn't see myself as a creative from a particular discipline. Uh, I thought my output was just energy. So if I, if like there was some task that took a great amount of energy or there was some big mental obstacle to, that I had to overcome, that's when I was like doing my best work and felt, felt most fulfilled. So like, you know, like you were saying, if you had to drive four or five hours, uh, you know, didn't have a charger, you know, getting done with that without something terrible going wrong is like a huge victory. And I think I, I, I don't know, I found this like weird creative output where I, I just became okay with that. Um, and now, you know, I'm a little bit more centered and disciplined and not, you know, trying to do as much of it. And I'm just like you, like, I'm like, okay, well, what 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 do I do with this like two hours that I don't have anything is is this good I don't know how to feel what do I do with my hands 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, you try so hard to fill it with something that, that by the end of the day, you'll feel proud of. Like, you you know what? I did something productive today. It's good. And it's, and, and it's funny because, like, during the fall, like, I, I had this great idea. Like, I, I run a house and I had this great idea to clean the entire yard of all the thousands of leaves that we have. And I spent, like, a month and a half doing that. And now that it's it's the you know wintertime, all the leaves are off the trees again. I'm like, why did I waste so much time? You know, but I felt so proud, like I accomplished something. Hooray for me! And now it's just as bad as it was when I first started, you know, a couple months ago. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's there's definitely a, a void that needs to be filled when you're when you're dealing with like something that you want to do that's that's productive. Like I love being productive. I love working on stuff. I like creating, you know, new photos and and uh, absurdities, you know, Photoshop and and feeling like you know people should people will enjoy this i like making things that people enjoy um and i think that's probably what really drove me to finish the book because it was yeah you know i lost friends over this because you know i, I never got to hang out with them i never I got to see them you know they they would chime in every now and again and say hey we're gonna go you know to a bar we're gonna go see uh you know that and the other at the movies this weekend you know where you you want to come and they know you know i'll be i'll be gone um so it's it's kind of cool to 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 know that I persevered and, and finished it, you know, and I'm proud of myself that I got it done and I'm glad that people are enjoying the book and, you know, it's, it's actually only been out since May. So it hasn't even been out for a whole year. Uh, and I've been working on it for four years, but you know, we, we want to get as many copies into the hands of newly diagnosed, you know, kids and in hospitals as we can. So that's, that's pretty much going to be our main focus of 2018 is, um, you know, trying to get rid of, rid of the books and, and, and show them to people and, and get them in people's hands and, and have more inputs, see what people think about them. I love that. And I think, you know, what an accomplishment, first of all, to get that completed. I, you know, I have a couple of friends now I can think of who are under book deadline and the amount of stress that they're under and, you know, trying to get those things done and, and finish and get it, get it published. It's an, it's incredible. What, what did that feel like when you, when you like sent off that last copy or you, uh, you know, finally had a, a date where it was going to be, people were going to be able to buy it, that it was officially done after all of the effort, time, driving, energy, money, uh, you know, sacrifice friendships that you put into it. What did that feel like? So when I, when I got the first full copy, like the comp copy to say, Hey, this is what it's going to look like. They sent me like four copies and, um, I, I just looked at it and smiled and I just went through page for page. But honestly, I was so freaked out that I had messed something up, <laughs> you know, like going back and forth with the, uh, the printers, you know, they're like, this resolution is too low and we had to go fix that. Or, you know, this page is missing. We had to go fix that. You know, it's just like all these things like happened. And so I guess relief would be the biggest, the biggest, uh, uh feeling I felt when I finally had a book in my hand, you know, and, and my, my designer was local. So I went over to, to her place and I showed her the, the book and she was very happy with it. And ultimately everybody I showed, you know, and, and my small group of friends I have here in Atlanta, uh, was, was very, very happy with it. You know, they, they said it looked great, you know, and we, we're, we're going to go move forward. And so, um, I guess the the last I remember when we finally had a date for the books. The books came, and I had to put a a release date on the next month. And uh, they came on a giant, on a big truck, on a pallet. And I was so excited to get them off of that pallet and into my garage that I just completely ripped open the front and just looked through as many pages as I can of like several books just to make sure nothing had happened. And it was just just a relief. 
And so I was excited to uh, to finally get them up online and, and just try to get them to, I guess, fly off the shelves, as they say, even though they they kind of live with me at the house. Um, and trying to trying to, try to get things started, I was I was so ready to go ahead and take the next step. I guess you know, I had worked so long, so hard on something that was supposed to be a physical product, and when it finally came, I was ready to just show the world, you know, to, to pretty much just. Uh, throw it out there to, to whoever would look at it. You know, I keep a I keep a permanent um, uh, twenty books in my car, like just a box of twenty books in, in in the in the trunk of my car, just in case somebody is like, you know, hey, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a photographer. I made a book once. You want to see it? And they're like, yeah. And I'll just walk over to my trunk, pop it open, and you know, make them look at it. You know, so it's one of those things where it's it's it was a relief to finally get done to know that I had finished because you know it was it was such a long process. Um, you know, I was I was. I was excited to finally have it completed and it was a relief to know that, that it was completed and nothing, you know, terrible happened. Um, but even, even more so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like the energy shifted It went from the energy being, you know, get this book done in, in a reasonable amount of time, which didn't happen <laughs> to get this book done and, and out to the public so the public can see and, you know, and try to, you know, try to make as many people feel better as possible and make as many people feel proud as possible, you know, for the ones that are in it and, and their stories were shared on online, you know, we, we want to make sure that again, it's all about helping people, you know, and then that's one thing about us being a nonprofit is, you know, none of, no, nobody gets paid in, in this, you know, right. we all take money and we just immediately put the money towards, uh, more things we can do for the community, you know? And, um, like this, this, you know, I've already decided like today I was making graphics and we're going to be giving away at one book a month to, uh, our Instagram followers, you know, all they have to do is leave a comment and we'll just give it, just give it to somebody. You know, there's no point in, in saving money with a nonprofit. In my opinion, there's no point in saving money with a nonprofit. The point is to get this money, then then make people feel better with it. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend 2018, you know, getting the books out there, trying to get people connected and and trying to, you know, relieve some of this, um, the psychological stuff that comes along with having diabetes and try to make people feel better and give people hope. I love it. Okay, so we're talking about 2018, uh, you know, and 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 nonprofits and and putting everything back into you know bringing more people to the community. What's the what what's next for you? What's and this might be a loaded question or an unfair question. Um, you know, now you guys are pushing the book hard in 2018. For you as a creative, as a you know an advocate, what what do you what what's next? What mountain do you want to climb? Well, now that I've spent this much time, you know, <laughs> working on stuff for the community, I kind of want to slow down and, and do some more stuff for me. You know, I want to I want to flex my creative muscles a little bit more. Um, since I guess the beginning of almost last year, I haven't really done that much photography. You know, I've been so burnt out from trying to get everything done that I just wanted to just not do anything. <laughs> and it's weird to be creative because I'll, I'll start, you know, putting that that energy elsewhere, like into into reading books or into you know, going to see movies or something that's just, you know, fun and relaxing. Um, cause I did put so much energy into this, but I, I as far as, uh, my personal life, I'm look, you know, I'm looking for a better job. I'm, I'm ready to settle down, I guess is, is a good way to say it because, you know, I started this when I was 26. I'm now 30 and, uh, four years of just going all over the place, you know, you know, you have a lot of time to think. <laughs> so it's gotten to the, to the point where I want to start, you know, focusing on like a career for me, whether in photography or fitness or whatever. Um, and, and just kind of trying to get my bearings set so I can enjoy my personal life a little bit more. Uh, as far as diabetes goes, uh, and what I want to do for the diabetes community, of course, the books are out there. And, um, again, one of the big things, and I don't think I've touched on this is, is I, I feel like the best way 
to really combat something that is that is intimidating and, and can be depressing is is to pretty much make fun of it. Um, and so I, I really have this really bizarre sense of humor, and I really make these, I mean, just absolutely just absurd, ridiculous, satirical videos that make fun of diabetes. And um, that's something I really want to concentrate more. I want to put more effort into. Um, I need to get get with scheduling and, and finding some friends that, that don't mind acting uh, like morons in front of the camera. And uh, I kind of want to make a YouTube channel in it. And I have all these ideas written down in a little book that I carry with me. So whenever inspiration strikes or I have an, an idea for a video that just you know, makes me think that people might laugh at this or get a good chuckle, I, I write it down. And I hope that one day I can wrangle enough people together to kind of put all these ideas into fruition and um and hopefully you know show people the i guess the lighter side of diabetes or the things that we all have to deal with that kind of bring comfort to each other because again i i feel like the ultimate way to really combat you know diabetes burnout and and depression and the fear that's associated with this is to really get out there and, and mingle with one another whether it be you know online or or um in a in a community driven aspect um a camp camp's pretty much the biggest I'll support camps regardless of where they are. Like if you can get your kid to a diabetes camp or even as an adult, just go volunteer. I mean, just the psychological feeling that you get after you leave one of those places, it's like your batteries are recharged, I guess would be a good way to say it. That's, that's a uh, way that people express a lot of the camp I work at. Um, you know, they come to camp, you know, every summer and they have that, that sense of going home, they're inspired. They, they feel better about, you know, what they have to deal with, you know, and, and they know that they're not alone and they have all these great memories that they just made having been there for a week, you know, and it, I, I cannot stress that enough around yourself with people that are, that are going through with what you're going through. Um, I know I'm kind of trailing off the, the original question, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much where my, my brain is at right now. That's kind of what I want to focus on for, for my 2018. I love it, dude. It's, uh, you know, I've never been to diabetes camp. It's something that I was, <laughs> I thought I was too cool for. That's the joke I make. I was too cool for diabetes camp because I was diagnosed at 16 and I knew everything. So, of course, I didn't want to go. I was way too cool for that. But um, I you know, just want to echo what you said about uh, community and getting involved. Everyone I've ever talked to who went to diabetes camp is still friends with their, you know, camp mates, uh, dorm mates, camper, fellow campers from when they went to camp, uh, no matter how long ago it was. Um, and I think that just alone speaks to how powerful it is to be around a community of people who are just like you, um, who you didn't really even know existed. I mean, most people say they didn't have any other type one friends uh, before they went to camp. Uh, and, you know, and then after you have a whole bunch, right? So, cause you're all in the same boat. And Absolutely. I think, and I think, you know, I would put that towards, apply that same thinking towards getting involved with the diabetes online community. Um, I had very few type one diabetic friends before I got into uh, the diabetes online community and, and really put myself out there and started diabetics doing things. Um, and yeah, the conversations that I have with people now are more diabetes focused, but my relationship with my diabetes is better because of that. Uh, my relationship with the diabetes community is so rewarding and I, and I, have so many more type one diabetic friends that can give me advice or just understand me or I can, I can listen to, and I just know what they're going through. And I think that that relatability, like you were talking about with making the funny videos, like just laughing or having the conversation is so beneficial to your health. 
Um, absolutely, absolutely. I could not agree with you anymore. Like I, 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 I always stress to people, especially with like newly diagnosed kids of like their parents find me or whatever. It's like that's the first thing I'll go to. I was like, yeah, the book's cool. Send them to a camp. Find them people to hang out with. Like you know, like like even getting involved with uh, JDRF at any of their walks. Like, I mean, there are so many opportunities for you to meet new people and, and, and make those friendships. I mean, Facebook exists. Instagram is huge right now uh, for the, the DOC. And um, I think like that's something that if you if you put yourself out there, trust me, you're, you're going to find people. You know what I mean? If you're like, hey, I'm looking for diabetes friends. I mean, it's the easy. I mean, holy cow, it's the easiest thing to do now. You know, it, it's it's so different when, you know, when I was a kid, all you had was a pen and paper and, and, and their their phone number or their their uh, writing address. Well, now you have their Facebook and their Instagram and their Twitter and their Snapchat. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can you can connect and be connected with people. And um, I mean, the, that's the first thing I tell people is, is you get on board with that. You know, volunteer, get get yourself in there because the sooner you do it, the bet the sooner you, you know you're going to feel better. Um, yeah, and I, and I think too, it's it's just a. It's a it's a world that you didn't know exists, you know, beforehand. And like when when you said, you know, go out and get connected, use your voice. Like you have to be willing to step out a little bit. Um, but even today, like people will comment on my Instagram, like oh, I don't really have any other T1D friends. And honestly, like I, I I don't mean to sound insensitive by saying this, but that's sort of your own fault uh, because, like you said, there's so many out there who would will be willing to be that person. And that's what I told him in that comment. I was like, well, there's like five or six other people who've commented on this photo who are type one and w- I know would love to uh, to be your friend. Um, yeah, So I sure. think like you start to leave yourself open to connecting with other people. And today, you know, more than ever, we're all going and coasting through our lives without ever really connecting with people. Uh, and that's the real danger is to go through and, and never – spend any time with somebody who really knows what you're going through. Um, and you know, in the, in the diabetes online community, I have found dozens of those friends. Um, and through JDRF, people ask me a lot, like, Oh, how do you get, how do you get so involved with JDRF? How do you, you know, I love what you're doing. How do I, how do I get to do that? I think the, you know, service begats more service. And in some cases that can be like draining, you know, like you say yes to too many things and you kind of get tired and you burn out. But in other cases, like it just leads you to more opportunities and you have to build the trust. But like there is a JDRF chapter in nearly every major city in the U S and they 100% need your help, whoever you are. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Whether that's, you know, passing out flyers at an event or you know giving out t-shirts at walk registration or moving chairs at type one nation or you know calling other type ones or you know working in the in the office you know um it's there's so many different things to do and you know it's such a quality organization i think there was some like jdrf smear campaign that there was some other site about trying to show that you know all the where all the funds go to different uh diabetes nonprofits. And JDRF is like 98.5% of all the money they raise and take in goes to research. And I was like, good Lord, that's insane. And there, I mean, you got to pay people to, these are, these are their jobs. You got to take care of employees. You got expenses. And yet 98.5% of all of your profits still go to research. That's quality to me. And they absolutely can use the help. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even just showing up and, and making the walks, walks a success. I mean, 
that that in and of itself is helping out just showing up to a walk you know um just making a there's there's power in numbers you know and i mean just like you said like anything really does help you know even you can make an instagram post and that that in and of itself is helping you know hashtags uh help you know get people discovered so uh i mean there's there's a plethora of 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 resources out there and then jdrf isn't the only one you know there's there's you know, tons of other ones, even hospitals have volunteer, you know, mentor programs. Uh, it's just really finding what you're, what, what you want to do and, and, and putting yourself out there to do it, you know? And I think that's uh, the thing, that's the thing with advocacy that, um, you know, it, it's easy to look at something like a completed photo book or, uh, you know, 80 episodes of a podcast or whatever it is and say, Oh, well I want that. But then you also have to look at like day one where, you know, you're taking the first photos or you're figuring out what podcast programs you got to download and all this other stuff or, you know, calling a hospital and asking what kind of programs they have and taking certification so that you can go in and talk to people like advocacy takes work. Um, it does. It really does. It's been, and it, it depends on how much you want to do too. like, like me, it was a lot more work than I expected. <laughs> you know, it's uh, again, I thought it was nine months. I was, it was going to take for me to, to start this, you know, start to finish. And, and, you know, it took me four years. Um, but, you know, you can you don't always have to do it. You know what I mean? Like I could tomorrow I could decide, you know what? I'm, I'm not happy doing this anymore. I don't think this is helping anybody. I'm just going to close up shop, you know, shut down the, the, the nonprofit and and just give the books away. Um and that would still be helping people because I'm still giving out uh, a source of, of inspiration or a source of, of you know, um, not not really counseling, but for lack of a better word, counseling, you know, in book form to people. So um, it, it, you're right. It, it, it depends on how much energy you want to put out there. Um, but again, you know, just because you put the energy out there doesn't mean you have to stay there. Um, I would encourage it, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's going to benefit you in the long run. But, you know, people think that if they – I think people are so scared of success too. You know, it's like, well, what if I, what if I do really good at this, and then people expect too much out of me? Well, it's like that doesn't really happen. You know what I mean? Like, right. Also, you're solving <laughs> solving a problem that doesn't exist. So yeah, but, you know, people are scared, and it's it's a real thing. People are afraid of success. You know, they're afraid of putting themselves out there because of what if they do really, you know, really well. You know, most people don't know what they're doing. Like me, I'll I'll be the first to admit I have no idea what it takes to run a, a nonprofit. All I know is that people said that you know I could get sponsorships and and all this tax exempt status and stuff and i was like you know what let's do it and then from there it's just grown and i'm learning as i go and you know what hopefully i'm doing a good job <laughs> but, you know it's it's i could spend years and years learning everything taking classes and all sorts of stuff and then start it or i could just start it and then worry about everything else later i think, um, and fear, I think that's, that's fear is a huge you know fake you know influencer of people's decisions i think i you know i i've been talking to some of my friends like i'm banishing all fear in 2018 like even if i smell it i'm just like nope like you know or even in conversations where it doesn't affect me i just fear-based decision making can be some of the worst it just it'll set you on a path where you're never going to be happy absolutely and, if you ever have the what if in your head screw the what if forget the what if part and just do what you wanted to do anyway yeah it's it, you know chances are those reasons that you made up are, are fake. <laughs> I can't yeah, remember. There's some famous Mark Twain quote. There's a famous, yes, famous yeah. yes. the, 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 the worst consequences are, are, are fake or what? I can't remember. What is it? I uh, know. I think I know what you're talking about. There's something about worry. It's like everything I've ever worried 
about never came to be or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, didn't exist or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, really I, I love Cody too, but I can't remember. It. But yeah, we're on the same page. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. That I, I, I get a lot of uh, inspiration from that as well. Um, I think it's more important to do than to learn how to do. You know what I mean? Just, just start. You know. Um, like photography is a great example. I, I did not pick up a camera and all of a sudden I was this great, amazing photographer. You know what I mean? And like, and like, oh, truth be told, there's a lot of work that I do that I'm not happy with and I'm not proud of. And, and I look back and think, you know, I could, I could probably do this better now. You know what I mean? But the fact is you got to get out there. You got to practice. You got to do it. You got to learn, you know, and, and, you know, failure is a great learning tool. You know what I mean? There, there are shoots that I've gone on that, you know, I messed up and I had to go back and redo. Um, but that's but I learned from it, you know what I mean? I'm, I've become a better photographer from that. But you know, I, there's a I think an Adventure Time quote. It's like uh, the first step of being really good at something is like sucking at something, and uh, I think that's absolutely right. Just get out there, start. If you enjoy it, keep at it. If you don't, won't well, stop. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, don't compare your day one to somebody else's day a thousand. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Facebook is really good on that. Don't compare your uh, you're comparing your behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel. Right. Oh man, that's. Oh, man. Yeah. Too true. Too true. That happens to me, man. I look at I look at uh, people who are like, you know, oh, we just released this new thing and it's so good and and everybody loves it and the reviews are great. And I'm just kind of like, I wish my reviews are great. You can give me a review, <laughs> right? Like, but it's it's fine because you know we're we're all at a different pace. We're working at our own pace, and I, I you know I wish people would would understand that because I feel like the Facebook is is making more people depressed than it is making them happy. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you know there's a lot written about that, and I think I talk a lot too. The good sides of those things don't get told either. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of, you know, back to the diabetes online community, right? That's a story yep. that doesn't get told outside of the type one diabetes world. You know, no, the the rest of these normal people are walking around; they don't even know this kind of thing exists. Um, and you know, to them, social media is evil. But maybe they'll get you know diagnosed with type one one day, and fortunately, find that you know there can be some really good things that come out of that oh yeah and they'll they'll see what they've been missing uh well edward i have one more question for you um as we're kind of you know coming up to uh, towards the end of the interview um which has been great by the way i appreciate you know you and i i I get along with you very well i'm super glad that we got to uh to have this chat Uh, yeah it was fun it was fun so the context of this question is important so if you are uh, imagine you're in an airport and uh, you're at your gate and they're going to shut your, the door to your gate in 30 seconds. And for whatever the reason is, uh, you got seven shoots on the other end or whatever it is in one day, you can't miss this flight. It's, a, it's important that you're on it. But you run into somebody who's either been diagnosed with uh, recently or is struggling with their type 1. What's the one thing that you tell them in that 30 seconds? In that 30 seconds, wow. Um it's going to be a reiteration of everything that I've pretty much said here is like, don't ever give up hope. It seems, you know, overbearing at first, but it does get easier with time. Uh, take care of yourself, meet with others and keep moving forward. Uh, don't beat yourself up over bad days. You'll have better days ahead. Just focus on the better days. I love it. Focus on the better days. That is a, uh, you know, that's, that's almost like worth writing and putting on your bed, on your bedside table just to keep, we should your, get it you know, tattooed, right? Hey, focus on yeah. the good stuff. It's uh, that's absolutely right. Cause there are going to be days where your diabetes just beats the crap out of you, whether it be a, a kinked site on your, on your pump or, you know, your, your insulin was bad or God forbid you drop a bottle of that stuff that are, there is nothing more 
heartbreaking than seeing a bottle of insulin fall out of the uh, butter compartment of your fridge and smash it on the ground. That is just, I just shudder to think about it. <laughs> uh, and, and it smells so terrible. <laughs> Straight up like a doctor's office. That's oh, what they always awful. say. It smells like a doctor's office. But yeah, those, those days are rough, man. And the days you can't get your sugars under control, the days where you feel like you were you know, you're failing as a diabetic, but you know, the next day you get those sugars down to, you know, 110 and you kick the crap out of it, you know, you know, day after day, you just try your best. You know, there's not a, there's not a one size fits all treatment for this disease. Um, but do the best you can. That's all you can hope for. I a hundred percent agree. Well, uh, Ed, if, if people want to get in touch with you online, what's the best way to do that? And, uh, is your, your books on Amazon? Yeah, book is on Amazon. Our website is thefacesofdiabetes.org. Our Instagram is thefacesofdiabetes. And we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can find me personally. It's Edward Feeder, uh, F-I-E-D-E-R. I'm sure you can see it spelled and whenever this comes out. So yeah. add me, talk to me. You know, I'm, I'm not a shy person. Uh, I'm not, you know, scared to say hey or talk to you about anything. Just come say what's up. You got photography questions. You got diabetes questions. You got – you just want to have an idea of just shooting, you know, just – talk you know i don't i don't mind at all i love it and uh it was great talking to you on that note i can i will vouch for that statement uh you're an easygoing guy great to talk to awesome thank you so much all right thanks edward have a good one man you too buddy